You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It's Monday, which we sometimes call Opposite Day here around Detroit Today. It's when we try to invite somebody into the studio who sees the world a little differently than I do to talk about politics at the local or the state or at the national level. This week in that role is State Senator Phil Pavlo, a Republican from St. Clair. He represents the 25th Senate District here in Michigan. Phil, welcome to Detroit Today. How's your Monday going so uh, it's far? It's going really nicely. I wish the weather were a little better, but uh, it's a little bit, bit of a break from last week's heat, too. So okay. I, I shouldn't complain too much, right? <laughs> no, it is September, so <laughs> keep moving. That's right. Uh, so there is a lot to talk about in state politics right now, in addition to the things that we were talking about in the first part of the show at the national level. But the biggest, I think, is this move by the legislature to, appro- to approve uh, this this minimum wage hike, right? And a paid Mm -hmm. sick leave uh, initiative. Uh, A lot of people think this is sort of a clever way of blunting this issue and keeping those two things pretty much the same way they are and preventing voters from maybe going ahead and doing their own thing with it. Um, I'm really curious as a member of the state Senate, how you see this issue and what you plan to do with it. Well, if by clever people are, you know, suggesting that this, you know, the legislature doesn't follow the Constitution from uh, 1963 that gives that uh, direct responsibility to the legislature, you know, let's remember that these indirect initiatives um, for statutes are essentially being organized and collected and driven by out-of-state groups that believe that they want to have an impact on Michigan's policy. Well, our Constitution is clear that when those um, indirect initiatives are presented to the legislature, we have, you know, four options that we can do. We can do nothing at all. We can pass it as written. Mm-hmm. We can amend the law. So we have those options, and it's clearly designated within the Constitution. And and but the Constitution also does allow for voters to do those things on their own. And if the legislature were so interested in minimum wage or paid sick leave they would have gone and sort of dealt with this before. It, it seems suspicious, I think, to people that now that voters are saying they want to do it, the legislature is stepping up and taking its prerogative, which, of course, is constitutional. Um, but isn't that a logical conclusion for people to draw looking at that situation, that this is being done to try to thwart the will of voters? Well, I, I think I don't want to get too deep into the way the Constitution is constructed, but if you look at the voters, not politician, citizen initiated, they chose to take the constitutional amendment pathway mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where that goes directly to the Constitution and only the voters get to determine if that's the proposal that they would accept. I think there's a reason why they sent it to the legislature, first of all. I think that they thought they had a better attempt of, of being successful because it's a rare day in Michigan where we're willing to go into our state constitution and tweak it. Mm-hmm. That's just a political reality. So they might have taken another approach to it to say, okay, this is the kind of constitutional amendment light option, and let's see where it goes. But if you go back to when I was in the House and Governor Granholm was running the show, mm-hmm. uh, we did address the minimum wage. And today, sure. um, you know, our minimum wage in Michigan is $2 higher than the federal requirement at about nine twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that it's 
the, the people who have been duly elected that should determine how we're going to impact, um, you know, this job recovery, the restaurant business, uh, employment in every way. So we have been actually all elected to take on that responsibility. I think it's well within our purview to to make those kind of decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, if this were to come up in lame duck, uh, and, and there was a proposal to roll it back after the election is over, how would you look at that issue? I'd look at it very carefully. And one of the things that concerns me specific to the uh, minimum wage initiative is the way that they're attempting to treat our tip workers in the state of Michigan. And all you have to do is look around to the recovery that we're seeing in some of our urban areas of Detroit is not, uh, not without great new restaurants and nightlife and entertainment, um, bars and, and, and recreation. So, that entire industry is driven by the fact that these are long nights, weekend hours, and the incentive to make money is there. If we were to go back and change that and move all of our tipped employees to a flat minimum wage, I think that the biggest impact will be felt immediately. So that's something that I'd be looking to change as well. Um, that provision is what really scares me more than this idea that government should be setting the the wages that our private businesses pay. So, so what about a uh, if there was um, a rollback for th- that was proposed after in, in lame duck? In lame duck, in other words, you raise it now uh, to 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 sort of blunt the effect of this voter initiative, and then in lame duck, you come back and say, "Well, we're going to go back to nine. Um, would you Would you favor that? Well, I don't think anybody is talking about rolling back the current. Um, level at night that's at 925 today um, you know in, in this proposal had a stair step effect to it where uh, these numbers were going to come in by 2024 I believe but let's remember where our economy is and we're at practically full employment in this state right now and what you're seeing is the laws of natural effect are having an, an impact on minimum wage and by that I mean uh, industry and uh, they're all competing for employees today so the minimum wage isn't as big an issue because the upward price pressure on those wages are pushing starting employment to ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen dollars an hour. And I'm talking to job providers everywhere that are just accepting uh, what people are saying that they need for starting wages. So I, I think the government's hand in this um, is, you know, it, it, I think it's it's an ill-conceived attempt because if you leave it to the private sector to determine these wages. You're going to see what you have today, and that's growing wage. Yeah, right, but but I guess would you expect that this twelve dollars an hour would be rolled back? In other words, that uh, you'd go back to the nine after raising it? Um, I, I can't comment on that. Like I said, the twelve by the time twelve dollar comes into effect, it's you know we're still six years out from that deadline. I don't know if we're going to look and structure. The um, the increases over time, like we did in I think 2008 or nine, um, you know that has been incremental over a period of time. But you know I, I think the core part of you know this this process and the way that our politics is running today is, you know we have a legislature that's been duly elected by uh, by the people of the state of Michigan. And yes, I believe the citizens need some kind of recourse to not only address government, but, you know, to put some of their own ideas 
in front of us, mm-hmm. this falls squarely into um, our roles and responsibilities. And I think the kind of the knock-on effect is it creates conversations like the ones that we're having. Um, but but I always want to, when I look at policy, I just want to see what the policy is and what is the intent, but more importantly, what's the impact. Right. Right. And so when I look at these ballot initiatives, I think the intent is, you know, let's drive out our initiatives and our voters. But then I have to figure out, I have to weigh what the impact is. Yeah. And if the impact means less jobs, I'm really concerned. But about I mean, that. it's a, I mean, it's, you know, to be fair, it's a more direct form of democracy. I mean, it's the people themselves deciding what the policy should be and and putting it on the ballot. I mean, yes, the legislature is elected by the people as well. But your decisions are indirect, and uh, uh, you know the, the Constitution allows for both. And and I, I I don't imagine that in 1962 and 63, when they were talking about this Constitution, that they imagined uh, the legislature would be using its power to sort of head off uh, that direct citizen uh, that this direct citizen choice, which is also part of what that constitutional structure looks like. Um, well, in 1963, I was a couple months old, but I will <laughs> tell you that there are very smart people around these tables that um, have the forethought. And it's one of the reasons why our constitution is 55 years old and we haven't had a convention on it. Um, we do have to have some measures in there to affect it. So government doesn't run completely away. But my go back to my original point, if they were so intent on having minimum wage, it could have put it in the Constitution and bypassed the legislature in this process that mm-hmm. we just went through last week. So mm-hmm. there are certainly avenues, as you yeah. as you've indicated. Yeah. Uh, let's let's change the subject quickly and talk a little politics. Uh, we've got a lot going on on that level, too. Rick Snyder won't endorse Bill Schuette. It won't even say if he is going to vote for him. Uh, at the same time, some of the polling right now suggests that Republicans are in a little trouble this fall, not only maybe in line to lose the governor's race, but maybe to lose enough seats in the House and the Senate uh, to to lose the majority. This is not a conversation we were having just a few months ago, do you feel like something is changing? Are Republicans in more trouble right now than they have been? Well, I think politicians in general are under a lot of scrutiny. And in Michigan for the last eight years, it's been Republican control from the top of the ticket all the way down. Um, The House, the Senate, the governor, secretary of state, attorney general. Um, And I think that over eight years, people are building up momentum to grab back some of that power. I think the pendulum does shift time to time. I don't see it shifting in the Michigan Senate where we hold a very large advantage, back to supermajority. Um, but I see the folks in the House and the governor and these other statewide electeds that really have to go out and make the case to the voters and, and let them know why they, um, number one, should be supporting these Republican ideas. And, and it becomes about message. Um, I would like to see Governor Snyder put his full faith and support behind Bill Schuette. I think that just from a unity perspective, I think it would be important. Um, but, you know, over time, some of these relationships deteriorate. And, and Governor Snyder has never been a political animal to begin with, um, did not get involved in the presidential, sure. um, tried to stay clean on that. But I think, you know, if, if his legacy to be um, protected on some of the major reforms that he's been able to accomplish in eight years are to hold, I think the right thing to do would be to join hands with all Republicans statewide to 
cement that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know that I see him uh, doing that, given what his demeanor is like these days. Uh, how likely do you think it is, though, that, that this blue wave that some people are talking about washes Republicans out of the legislature, a place that they've had majorities now, I think, for eight years uh, in a row? Um, what, is there trouble in there, out there for, for Republican candidates? I think there always is. Um, I was in the House in 2006 when our majority got wiped out, and um, you know I, I see the impact of that. I think one of the other reasons is that you know th- this this um, voter not politician move around redistricting. I mean, these are all reactions from uh, from the voter base mm-hmm. um, more toward their anxiety the way the process is working, but. Having been a Republican, a partisan kind of um, job that I have, I like to fight for the Republican ideals because it's just so much better when you're in the majority. And being in the majority is not easy to get. It's even harder to hold. So mm-hmm. I, I think the bottom line is, and what the common denominator here is, is that everybody has to go out and fight. And they got to fight hard for that vote and for that respect from those um from those voters because it is not a given. And in today's, you know, hypersensitive media world, uh, they, they're inundated daily with all kinds of input sure. yeah. and they're going to have to sort them out. And, you know, I would like to be able to see all the Republican majorities hold there because, um, that's, that's where I, that's my job. Sure. And I, uh, do, do you do you? Uh, we've got about a minute left, but I I wonder what what effect you think the president and his troubles, his ongoing troubles, might have on these fall elections here in Michigan. Is he a help to Republicans, or is he uh, something that harms their chances? I think he helps, and I say it because if you talk about his troubles, um, including you know a, a roaring economy. Um, you know, for the Republicans, we're very close to the second Supreme Court nomination of a conservative. If those are problems to the people that are voted in Michigan, that's one thing. But, you know, when I talk to folks daily, a lot of this stuff is it becomes street theater and not real political power. And by that, I mean, people are getting up, they're going to work, they're raising their families, and they're more focused on those kind of issues that, you know, that are helping and supporting their families. They don't really get all caught up like you and I do in the in the ancillary theater that's taking place. So I think the president is a positive. And, you know, until I see otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, mm-hmm. Bill Schuette is talking strongly about his endorsement. Yeah. OK, Phil Pavlo, Republican from St. Clair, represents the 25th Senate District there. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Good to have my Monday with you. Yep. Take care. Talk to you soon. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.
WDET is supported by Waterwork Plumbing, providing licensed and insured plumbing and drain service for Metro Detroit homes and businesses. Fully stocked trucks are available 24-7 to serve. Now looking for plumbers to join their team. Info at waterworkplumbing.com. Hi, I'm Andalisi, the host of Essential Music, asking you to help protect your source for hand-picked music programs produced right here at WDET. The truth is that WDET has the freedom to bring you more local music and more new music to discover than any other radio station. Now is the time to make your contribution to protect your music curation source by calling 800-959-9338 or online at WDET.org. Thanks so much. WDET is supported by Jefferson East's annual luncheon, October 4th, presented by Stroh River Place. The event explores how JEI is creating inclusive neighborhoods. Keynote address by Maylene Myers, Executive Director, East Liberty Development from Pittsburgh. Tickets at jeffersoneast.org. Bring auto insurance coverage for cars, trucks, or SUVs and providing 24-7 customer service. More information on auto insurance at geico.com or 1-800-947-AUTO. From WBUR Boston and NPR, I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. This is On Point. More denials from top White House officials over who wrote that anonymous New York Times op-ed. And now key GOP leaders and strategists are talking openly about what effect tumult in the White House will have on the midterms. President Obama encouraging people to vote and President Trump, too, saying Republican turnout will keep him from getting impeached. There's also more news out of the Mueller investigation, George Papadopoulos' sentencing, and jury selection begins on Paul Manafort's second trial. Up next on Point, top journalists look ahead to what we can expect from another big week. First, this news. 